I feel privileged that uh, I've been given the opportunity to speak into your lives this morning. When uh, Pastor Harvey asked me to, if I was willing, when uh, we discussed, uh, when he moved on, moved on, I just uh, dropped a little line to him, and, and uh, I didn't actually believe he'd uh, he'd uh, he'd put me on the hook. <laughs> I just thought he was going to was uh, going to store it away somewhere, but uh, he got me on the hook, and now. Uh, I believe the Lord has, uh, was in on it, and I believe He wants me to, to uh, speak to you. And I also believe that uh, as a community down the road, many of you know, uh, down through the years, I also believe that uh, many of you are actually interested in, uh, in us to some degree or another. And uh, part of my message will be to be sharing our faith, sharing what we believe and why we believe what we do, and the journey God has uh, put us through. And uh, I will not be speaking to you as to strangers. I will be speaking to you as our neighbors. Our neighbors down the road, those who we have been associated with time and time again, some much more than others, and uh, we as your neighbors, over the years we have uh, not actively promoted our faith, we've not actively prom uh, gone out and, uh, and um, promoted our faith amongst our neighbors because there are several reasons we did it. First of all, we believe our faith has to work at home. And our trust in the Lord needs to produce the results in our own homes, in our families, in our church, for us to actually go in and tell others about the wonderful news of God and His Word and His salvation. And uh, I don't know how much I, only, I was only once here at a, at a church service uh, a couple of years, a few years ago, one of the first years of Pastor Harvey. And I don't know what Pastor Harvey, what uh, he went through, what books or what messages. So uh, part of what I speak here this morning might uh, be not new to you. You might even be bored with it, but uh, I believe as I'm speaking here the first time, I also need to speak from the foundation of what we believe, what holds our faith, and what keeps us going. And uh, it's to me, to us, faith is very important. It, our whole lives revolve around us, around faith, and around our walk with God. And and our faith is very important. It, what we believe determines how we live, it determines how we act, it determines how we view other people, it determines how we view our neighbors, it determines how we do business transactions, and, all, and, and our whole life is a, uh, revolves around our faith. And uh, Jesus is to us 
much more than someone that, that uh, saves us so we can go to heaven. Jesus is our blessed Savior who, who as it says in John, Jesus came to save us from our sins. Not only to give us eternal life, but also to give us life here on earth as we live out our lives. As we daily have to work and make a living to have a meaningful, purposeful existence upon this earth. And if this gospel message, if his word doesn't accomplish that in us, and if his Holy Spirit doesn't, I believe this Jesus is not as powerful as he says he is. He need he must be able to accomplish in us what he says he can accomplish. He must be able to. And so this morning, that's why I've titled the message this morning, Our Faith Needs a Foundation. Our Faith Needs a Foundation. And all of us know how foundations work. Before I get to that, I'd like to read our, our text for this morning out of Matthew, out of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. On the last verses, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Our faith needs a foundation. In verse 24, after Jesus had finished the Sermon on the Mount, he said to those who heard him, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. May God bless his word. And here Jesus says some remarkable words. After he had finished speaking to the people, he says, He likened our faith in him as the foundation of a building. So the first part was the hearing part. And then there was the uh, knowing what his will was, and then was an obedience to his will. He likened it unto a building which has had a foundation. Now, uh, folks, it's not my intention here this morning to, to be offensive, to offend anyone, or uh, to. Um, I only want to speak what the author of this book speaks. I only want to say what he says, what I think, what I believe, even what we at Fort Pitt Farms believe, matters very little. It's what God's Word says at the end of the day is what matters. It's what God speaks to us is what brings the life change. We as a people, we were comfortable in our religion for many years. We were comfortable, we had all our ducks in order. We had our, our uh, 
faith lined up, we had our creeds, and we had, we thought we had everything for many years. We had what it needed, we had our security. And then Jesus came on the scene and messed us all up. Messed up all our thinking. Messed up all our creeds and what we thought was our way. And uh, I look back at it now and I say, thank you God that he messed up our lives. That's what he can do. He has to mess us up before he can actually rebuild us. See, our faith, what we have, what we have established, no matter from our culture, from our history, from our background, we have been building something over the years. But is the foundation strong? Is the foundation secure? Will it stand? Jesus said here in Matthew 7, 24, will it stand the test of time? It is not an if, it's a when. The trials and testing and trouble will come in our life. It's not an if. We live in the reality of a broken world. And you don't have to live long in it to understand that. And when living in that broken world causes many of us at times to say, God, are you there? Can you hear me? Do you know I'm going through this? We don't have to live long to experience that. And Jesus gives us a remarkable word. He says, if you hear my word and obey it, you are building on a solid rock. And when the storms come, you will not be shaking. You will not be moved. Your faith will not be one day going down this street, the next day going down that street. The Bible says, they stand secure like Zion's mount, by many ages proved. Our faith needs to be so firmly rooted and established on God's word, on God's promises, that no trial of life can shake us. Neither shall good life, a good time, the freedom we enjoy in this land, that shouldn't shake us either. That should keep us focused and enjoying the grace and the blessings of God. Our building, no matter how beautiful it looks on the outside, no matter what other people see, it's only as strong as its foundation. It's only as good and the Bible says in, in, in this verse and in Luke, in Luke uh, chapter 6, it also says when, when Jesus said the Sermon on the Mount, I'm not exactly sure of the reference, but there he said again, he digged deep. The man who listened to Jesus' words digged deep to establish a foundation, a footing for him to build on. And now, the way I look at it, is the best way to, to illustrate this is to use a physical illustration. Our faith is this building and when people come to look at the building, it's solid, it's freestanding, they will immediately take note that it has been built on good ground they will immediately take note that it has a good foundation, even though you don't see it. 
even though it's underneath all the the, the wood and the framing and the, and the paint, but they, would, they know instinctively that a building has a good foundation. And look at skyscrapers, we know they go deep. And so if we as Christians have a good foundation, it is a great advertisement for Jesus Christ. It is a great picture to show forth to the rest of the world, those who do not know, those who might even oppose us. It shines forth. Here is something that is standing secure. It's not shifting. It's not, it's not breaking down. On the other hand, if our faith in Christ is weak, if our faith in Christ is not firmly rooted, we make a poor advertisement for Jesus. Because the engineer of our faith is Jesus Christ. God Almighty through Jesus Christ. He engineered, he's the engineer of the building. And if we follow his directions, his instructions, our building has to turn out. How do I know? He said so. And it's based on the premises of several firm conclusions we have to come to as his people. And the first one is our proper concept of God. That's one, that's one of the first things that we have to understand. We have to have a proper concept of God himself for us to have a solid footing in our faith. And the next one, which is equally important, we have to accept the Bible as the authoritative word of God. We don't open the Bible to question God. We open the Bible to hear God. He spoke to us through his word. He has spoken to us through his word down through the centuries. It's an amazing book, and I want to go into it a little more, but the First, I want to talk about uh, this uh, first foundation. If, if our foundation is secure, Christianity not only is something for other people, an advertisement, like I said before, it is a blessing for our own lives. You see, Christianity needs to fulfill the deepest needs of the human heart. We have a God-shaped emptiness inside <coughs> us. And no matter how we try to fill it, every time, everything we try will only leave us more empty. No matter what we get into, no matter if it's entertainment, no matter if it's sports, no matter if it's money, or whatever it might be, it only leaves us hungering for more. We're never satisfied. So if our faith needs to satisfy and meet the deepest needs of our souls, satisfy our heart longings, fill our emptiness, otherwise Christianity is not much more than any other religion on this earth. For me, Christianity is, the Gospel of Jesus is the only way to salvation. And that is something we must firmly establish. There's the only way to God is the gospel message through Jesus Christ when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father but through me. That foundational truth determines everything. And it is the very heartbeat of our lives. So the first foundational truth to establish our faith is the fact, the proper view of Almighty God. I don't know how you view God. Just met some of you this morning, some of you I know for many years. I don't know, but I know from my own experience that for many years I had a wrong concept of God. For many years, my concept of God was he was a mean guy in the sky. And he had a big stick. And he was just waiting for me to make a mistake. When a person lives with that mentality, he hardly ever, hardly ever has joy in their life. He cannot embrace the wonderful grace of Jesus. When a person has a view of God that is not according to the Bible, it affects everything they do and it affects their foundation on what they've built their faith on. When they have a wrong concept of God, they have no desire to share their faith with anybody because that God is not doing for them what he says he can do. All because of our concept of God, not because of who he is. You see, our minds are so small. We cannot even start to think how, how vastly bigger God is than us. The, only, the, the closest I can come is an ant. An ant to a human being. Can an ant understand a human being? No. He might have seen one, but he cannot understand the human being. And God is that much greater and probably even more than me and you. And to have a proper concept of him determines whether we have an effective Christian life or whether we just flounder through our Christian lives. And for many years that affected the way I viewed my salvation. So until we know him as he reveals himself until we know we have our own ideas and they are wrong he could be a mean like I said before far away God waiting to judge us or some have watered down God as just the guy in the sky a buddy who let us get away with anything a buddy who doesn't who will overlook everything and anything and and doesn't really interested in the deepest part of our lives he might be just someone who lets us do our own thing really not closely interested in us and all these ideas affect how we live and it affect our concept of reality and so a proper view of God we must, have a, we must have a balance. I can fi find verses in the Bible that show us that God is only love. 
But you parents know that it's there's only love with your children. They're gonna mess you up. We know that our children need a balance of love and discipline. And our God has given us this concept of himself by calling himself Father. God is Father. But is God holy? Yes, he is. God is absolutely holy. God is absolutely right. God is absolutely just and absolutely merciful. He is the embodiment of absolute perfection. But this God has a perfect balance between justice and grace. And if you want to see the God of justice, just read the Old Testament. He beat up Israel time and time again. And he told them, don't do this and don't do that and don't, or else I'm going to come upon you and judge you. Was that all true? Yes, it is. And the people who read just the Old Testament do not get the full picture of the God we serve. To get a proper view of him, we need the New Testament. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God Almighty in the flesh. And if you want to know the other aspect of God, we need to look to Jesus. Jesus is the most amazing, remarkable character that has ever walked the face of this earth. He is more than a savior. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. He rules the earth and he is intimately interested in every single detail of our lives. He is not just a savior who pulls us out of a slime pit and says, okay, now go live your life. No, he wants to pull us out of the slime pit and then he wants to clean us off the slime and the crock. Not only does he want to do that, then he wants to teach us and train us. Have you ever seen a student go from grade one to grade 12 in one year? It's impossible. The Christian life is a journey. But the foundation has to be established. And, we, and that's why I want, to, I want to take more to just the foundation here this morning. For the gospel to make sense and really affect us in such a way that it changes us, this concept must be instilled so deeply in us that we have a reverent awe of Almighty God. Not a morbid fear of Him that He punishes us, but an incredible awe at someone who is so holy, so mighty, so powerful, and yet interested in poor little me. Yet interested in pulling me out of my issues, interested in giving me life, in giving me hope, in giving me peace. That's the God we serve. But do we actually know Him as in this, in this way? If we don't know God as 
the balance between holiness, righteousness and grace, we will be one or the other. If, we, if God is just grace to us and love, we tend to live our lives flippantly, not really uh, concerned deeply with our relationship and walk with Him. If we view God as just an austere punisher, disciplinarian, we always live in a fear of Him. And the Bible says, He that fears is not perfect in love. So here we have human beings on two sides. We are either all, it's a, all is grace and mercy, or either all is justice and, uh, and, and discipline and punishment for doing wrong. For many years in my own life, like I said before, I was more or less, God was on the extreme disciplinary side. And that affected me greatly. One of the one of the worst things that happens to us when when we are when we view God in a wrong in a wrong light is we tend to be judgmental of others. We tend to look at others and say, well, they're not doing this or that or 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 they're not over there or not over here. Therefore, they're not right yet. They're not right with God. And we live with a constant superiority or a constant even a constant too low of ourselves and never really viewing God in the right light. Therefore, we can't view other people in the right light. So God has to demolish those ideas. And if we're open to listening to him, he is able to do it. One of the, the, the most striking ways God revealed himself to me was through the creation. Now, we grew up believing God. That wasn't even a question to us. We grew up, you got to believe in God because he's there. But I grew up also as of one who had an inquisitive mind. Wondering about things. And you know when you read the encyclopedia, they never mention God there. When you, mention, when you read the encyclopedia, it's all based on a world and an existence without God. The world created itself, evolution over 4.6 billion years. And, uh, and even as a Christian, I tended to believe this aspect of God. I, I believe God would use, have used uh, evolution or whatever. It just was a wrong concept of him. But what happened, here's what happens to us when we try to mix what man has found into what God has said in his word. We, when that happens, we question part of God's word. We take some parts as just analogies. We come to the point where we say, well, the Red Sea crossing, I don't think that really happened. Oh, you believe that Jonah 
so swallowed by a whale. When we start mixing man's thinking with God's word, we start questioning the authority of his word. And that weakens our faith and that weakens our foundation. And then we don't have much to hold on to and then we are swayed to and fro. So God demolished that idea in my mind in a wonderful, remarkable way, which I can't go into details, but, it, but as far as the creation goes, I can talk all day when God showed me the miracle of creation. When we only hear man's side of the story, we can easily marginalize God or minimize him or explain away some of the phenomena we see. But when God showed me that he is the creator and the way he showed it to me was by design. You see, design demands a designer. Creation demands a creator. A watch needs a watchmaker. There is no other way. And we were taught and we read that all this information, all this intricacy, all this beauty we see in creation is just something that happened over eons of time. Now if we believe that and yet believe in God, where our foundation is shaky. The Bible says in Psalm 100, verse 3, Psalm 100, verse 3, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. The Bible doesn't, the Bible starts with saying, in the beginning, God created. We don't need to go on any further. God doesn't need to explain where he came from or how he was made or whatever. He was there, always is, always was. And that's the part that I struggled with a long time. But when you open the Bible with new eyes, accepting the authority of his word, accepting that he is the creator, we are awed and humbled at how small we are and how big he is. In Psalm 19, verses 1 to 3, the Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. That, makes, that means the heavens are shouting to us every night and every day the glory of God. How are they shouting it to us? By the order we see out there. By the splendor and the majesty. For thousands of years this earth has been going smoothly. Even though man hasn't been. The earth has kept its course. The faithfulness there as we can lean on him when he can depend on him. The sun will not rise in the west one morning. Faithfully, we see God's glory. 
The order we see in the universe is not an accident. Have you ever seen a bomb explode and make order? It is impossible. The order we see, the majesty we see, is design. We can go in talking about ourselves, or about the, one of the things I like to always mention is our, our eyes. Um, the human eye is, the, is a miracle of engineering. And when we fully understand that, we begin to get a proper concept of God. Yes, everybody has eyes. All animals have eyes. And all, most creatures have them. And we think they're so common, but well, there's not much to it. But do you have, have you had a clue how intricate the human eye is? I could show you a digital camera, the best on the market, and they would, and you would instantly conclude, the guy who made it was pretty smart. You would instantly conclude, this did not just come about. But we show us the human eye, and oh, here it evolved, this evolved first, and that evolved next. That's all trash. The eye was designed, and it all had to work at the same time, or nothing works. The back of our eyes has a 137 megapixel image sensor. There's no camera on earth yet that comes close. 137 million pixels that feeds light into our brain and gives us vision. Coupled together with muscles, with nerve fibers, and with the lens working together, all these have to be there at once. Take one away, nothing works. And it was through the design of creation that I received a proper revelation of the God we serve. It was in the design of nature that we understand that it is impossible for us to come, for something to come about by chance. The information in our DNA is, is, is so vast that just the DNA of one human being, the information in there has enough information there to fill the Grand Canyon 44 times with books. Just one human being's information. Where did the information come from? When we sing a song up here, just throw a bunch of letters on the, on, on, on the board. See if we can sing a song. It has to be arranged in exactly the right sequence. Otherwise, it don't make sense. This is one of the first ways we need to come to a, we come to a proper revelation of God, and that is the evidence of God. Me and you cannot see God, but neither can we see gravity. But we know it's there. Just trip on this chair, this stair here, and we will find that gravity pulls. And we all go in the same direction. Every one of us, and no matter where we go on earth, and no matter where we go in the universe, the gravity is the same. We can't see it. We feel it by its effects. We're not floating around in the, in the room here. We know it's there. That's the way God is. He's there. 
We, feel, we see God by his effects in creation. In Romans chapter 1, verses... Um, in Romans 1, verse uh, 19 and 20. It says, because that which may be known of God is manifest to them. He's speaking of mankind. For God has shown it to them. We think there's people in this world who do not know there's a God. Uh -uh. Even an atheist knows there's a God. If he's in a difficult situation, if he's in immediate danger, what's the first words that come out of their mouths? Oh my God. Why? Because there's God in here, God shaped. And it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Folks, we have no excuse to say, Well, I can't see God, therefore he doesn't exist. No, that is wrong concept. And that will affect every decision we make. So part of our foundation is to have this proper view of God. And he reveals himself. There's four evidences that point to God, and I just finished one of them, to creation. The creation declares that God exists. The second one is to our God consciousness. You can travel the world over and you see people worshipping. You see people embracing a religion. It doesn't matter you go to the Middle East, you go to India, you go to China, you go to North America. Well, North America, we, we're different, you know. We, we worship things and entertainment and movie stars and sports stars. But there's uh, still worship there. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But you go the world over and people worship. Because God created them to worship. There is an inner voice in every one of us that tells us there is a greater power beyond us. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God created man in his own image. Genesis 1. 26 and 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. We know God exists through the God consciousness that we were created with. We have special qualities that make us unique. Special qualities that set us apart from everything else in creation. We've got a personality. We have intelligence. We are creative. 
we have a conscience. Don't tell me there's anybody in this world who doesn't know that there's some right from wrong. There you can go the world over. Even people without knowledge of God, who, who flatly deny God, will tell us there's, there's a right and a wrong. If I go into your house, steal your stuff, you'll know I did something wrong. That consciousness is not in the animal world. That consciousness is in us. We know if we go kill somebody or, or uh, uh, somebody else, we know it's wrong. We know for instinctively, rape is mur and murder, they're wrong. That God consciousness is in us, built into us. We can think, we can plan, we can reflect, we can show love, we can show compassion. Most of all, we're the only creatures that search for meaning and purpose in life. The rest of the animal kingdom, they're born, they live, they raise young, and they die. And you know what, human beings, if we don't have a sense of meaning and purpose, our lives lead have a similar meaningless existence. There is something to life. And we don't want to miss it. Life, we were not meant to just live, be born, live, get married, raise a family and die. We were not meant to do that. We were created in the image of God for the glory of God. We were created to show forth His praises. We were created to shine forth God's amazing majesty. Because He can't do it through the creatures. Creatures are not conscious of their surroundings and of, 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 of all this. We're the only ones that are. And when we look at the creation, when we look at another human being, we see God's handiwork. These qualities do not come by evolution. These qualities did not just come to us down through the ages. They were there from day one. The Bible was written over 1500 years and it's the only book we can still open up and read the first and second chapters and it still defines us and, it's still, and we're still the same today as we were back then. But you open up a book of Hinduism. You open up a book, the, the, the Muslims uh, holy book. You open up all these other books and start reading some of the stuff in there. And it's your, instantly your mind tells us, this is not the Bible. The Bible is God's word. Therefore it is relevant for all ages and all people and all times. And that's the next part. That's the next way he's revealed himself, through the Bible. The most amazing book ever written. It makes the greatest claims. It has the greatest influence. That's an all-time bestseller. It defines us, is relevant, is eternal, and is unchanging. It's the most loved and the most hated book of all time. It took 1,500 years to write it. 40 different writers. And the message is unifying, which is the amazing part of it. You take the science textbooks from 
1,500 years ago in the science textbooks from now and we'll see if there's a unifying message there. It's a joke. The Bible has a unifying message. There's another confidence we can have that it is God's word. It's a love story with one central theme. It starts out with the way God intended it to be and it starts out with that man he created in his own free will and how he messed it up and showed us what we missed and what we've lost. And deep down in us, we all know that life just isn't the way it should be. People hurt each other. People cheat on each other. People do bad things to one another. And we're stuck many times with resentment, with unforgiveness, with hate in our hearts, and all that stuff. And we know this is just not right. Why isn't it right? Because we lost something back in the garden. But that's a different message. And finally, through Jesus Christ. God revealed himself through Jesus Christ. He is not there, you know, there have been many great people on earth, but Jesus overshadows them all. His words, his works, his life, his death, his resurrection have impacted countless lives down through history. He is unique in every way, not only because of his supreme sacrifice and love, but by his claims. He claimed to be the Son of God. So he is either the Son of God or he isn't. There is no middle ground. He was the embodiment, as I said before, of God himself in such a way that me and you can understand. So if Jesus is who he says he is, we can be left with only one possible conclusion. If you want to know God, look to Jesus. That foundation, when that is established in us, we can be confident, we can have hope, and we will not be shaken in our faith. Our faith is a building. And how that building stands through life is determined by how good a foundation we've laid. And now I've only covered one aspect of that foundation, and that is a proper view of God. A proper concept of God and how He's revealed Himself. And that was just skimming the surface. There are more ways, and there are more concepts to this. But um, time is up. And uh, I'd like to close with the very words of Jesus in Matthew 11, 29. The one verse that has been one of the most precious verses to me down to his drum in my Christian life. Matthew 11. Twenty-nine or twenty-eight. This verse, over the years, 
was one of the troubling ones to me. He said to me, Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This message, I could not run from it. Here I was depressed as a Christian. I was many times uh, wondering if the salvation, if I had assurance of faith, if I was going to heaven, if I had life. And kept coming back to this verse. It said, come unto me, come unto me. And we begin, as time went by, I began to understand that you don't come to God questioning Him. You come to God in faith. And when you come to God in faith and leave your questions about Him at the side, He answers your questions afterwards. And He gives you that rest and that peace when we put our trust in Him. He gives us this confidence that the Bible says we can have. And that message is for every human being. Not just for me, not just for you. Every one of us can read it and believe it and receive it. God bless you.